Joining me now is Moderna CEO, Stefan Bensel. Stefan, pleasure to have you on with us again. Tell us about this quarter. It seems like we're getting into, you know, fall booster, second half of the year. What are you, what are you expecting? Great. Well, good morning and thank you for having me. So indeed, today we reported a, a strong quarter, very happy about where the year is trending, the $4.7 billion of sales to come to of net income. And we're reaffirming that for the year, we anticipate, you know, to be able to have around $21 billion of ship vaccines. Absolutely. A part of that, of course, is what we're seeing in terms of fall boosters and the focus on that. I know you're reformulating uh, for the U.S. the BA4-5, and I recall that Europe was looking at the Omicron-specific one. So are you currently doing two different tracks of vaccines, or have you uh, dedicated to just one formula for fall? So we're actually doing two. And I think that's one of the beauty of the Moderna capability that we have manufacturing-wise is we can do what the customers want. And we want to be here to help public health officials. I think the difference between the country that we are seeing is how people view timing, which is two and four. You know, we have a lot of data and we already made product in the spring. So countries that want two and four right now can have it uh, as long as the regulator approve a product. Country want the BA45, we're going to have to wait to early fall. And I, I see countries that are going to do both. They're going to want to be able to start in the August time frame to vaccinate people at higher risk. Because as you know, the BA1 uh, booster of a 214 product has already very high protection compared to on BA45 virus. And so if you want to protect somebody at high risk, like an elderly, I believe you are better off giving them the BA1 vaccine now. There's still, you know, waiting two or three months for them to get the BA45 because you might get them sick now, given as you know, there's a lot of cases everywhere. And as we've shown, the, the BA1 vaccine has very good protection against the BA45. Yeah, tell me about that, because it, with that difference, you also have different timelines that you're facing, to your point about the August, but we also now, uh, in the US, the Biden administration set the deadline for September, but if I recall correctly, you said manufacturing for BA4.5 won't really come uh, until October, so are, are you going to be able to meet that deadline? We're working very closely with the US government, we're working really hard to get this to uh, early fall. And we're already making the BA45 vaccine as we speak in our Massachusetts plant. And so we'll give more updates as, as we get closer to it, but we know how important it is and we know that everyday matters. What about the rest of the world? What are you anticipating in terms of demand there? I know you said, you know, COVAX demand has slowed down, but generally with other advanced purchase agreements or other countries, what are you seeing for maybe a fall booster or just generally doses? I mean, what I'm seeing is that governments have a lot of confidence in the Moderna technology and vaccine. They are very happy with what the first generation of vaccine has done. They have seen the clinical data on the new generation of vaccine for this fall that is also very strong. And so we are seeing very strong demand across the board. And several customers have actually upped their uh, purchase orders uh, in, the, in the last few weeks. Uh, I anticipate a few more coming as well. So I think a, a strong momentum as we, we go into the fall. And I ex expect... Q4 to be even stronger than Q3, because as you, as you can imagine, in July, August, people are waiting for the, 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 the new version. So I think it's going to be really a kind of late August, September, and then massive ramp up into Q4. Yeah, you said previously that you thought, you know, the second half of the year was going to be stronger, I think, anticipating those boosters. But we also heard you say earlier this year that you thought we might get to an endemic stage by this, this half of the year. Do you still think that or do you think we're in for another ride? So I still think that the, the base case scenario, which we give it around 70% probability, 
is the move into endemic, where as people get uh, infected uh, because of their prior vaccination and infection, they basically have mild disease, like a, a cold. We still be worried about people that are at high risk, like the elderly, and people, of course, that have very high comorbidity factors. The need to boost them is really critical to keep them out of hospital and to keep the economies open and all of us having a normal life like we had you know, in 2019. And that's really what I think is important. But I think we have all the tools now. You know, people at a high risk can mask when they are indoor. There's a lot of testing available. There are very good you know, vaccine boosters like Moderna available. And also treatment, including antibodies. So I think we have all the tools to live in a normal way. It's just that if you're at high risk, you need to be more careful and manage accordingly. So, so you don't think that the worst case scenario is still that we could get a more virulent variant? So this is the 30% scenario in terms of probability. It is possible. I don't think it's the best case scenario. It is mm -hmm. possible, but it's impossible to know from a science standpoint, is it in a week, is it in three months, or is it in two years that we have a more virulent strain? As you know, in the flu world, you have a, from time to time you know, a, a really bad winter. Sure. So we're going to see that with COVID. But of course, it's unfortunately impossible to know when this might happen because it's 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 uh, it's biology. Well, what about the the formulation of the vaccines? You know, you're looking at different formulas that are variant specific, but I know Moderna participated in the White House summit focused on second generation vaccines that are going to target uh, the virus differently. So, uh, have you started to think about that and and what the competition in the market is going to look like as a result? Oh yes, we are you know investing a lot of new uh, technologies going at looking at different biology, so different things that the vaccine will target. We're also looking at how do we extend the shelf life of a product? How do we make it uh, storable in a fridge? Because it's a freezer. We're working at technology early in the labs on how do you potentially go outside of using a needle, using other ways to get into the human body. So we're looking at a lot of technologies. As you know, we are an mRNA pure player. We have you know, a very strong scientific team. We have a very strong cash balance. You know. Just look at the R&D investment. They increased 70%, 7-0, Q2 this year versus Q2 last year. And so you see that this company has very science-driven and has a lot of appetite to build better version of its own product. Now, currently, your pipeline definitely strongly focused on COVID, of course, the, the call of the hour. But talk to me about non-COVID and even beyond flu. Uh, what, what are you looking at in terms of longer timelines there? Sure. So, if, as you say, I mean, we have a very strong vaccine portfolio. Of course, COVID is a big part, flu, and many other vaccines like RSV, CMV, and so on, for which there is no vaccine on the market. So, many opportunities with those products already in phase three now to create multi billion dollar sales per year for each of those vaccines. But on the non vaccine world, I'm very excited about the second half of the year. As we've said, we're going to present data in cancer for the first time, and that's a personalized cancer product that is made differently for every human being based on the genetic signature of a cancer. And it's a, it's a big study. It's head-to-head -head with Ketudra, you know, Merck's product, which, as you know, is the gold standard in terms of oncology. And so we're going to share that data. Uh, and the other one is on rare disease. As you know, Moderna has been very involved since its early days in rare genetic disease, disease where kids have the wrong genetic information from their parents' DNA. With the idea is, could you get an mRNA in their cells to bring them the right instruction that you and I have that those kids do not have. 
we think we're going to have a very profound impact on the quality of life of those kids and their families, uh, save a lot of money to the healthcare system. And, and in the second half, we're going to share uh, rare disease data uh, on an awful disease called propionic acidemia, PA. And uh, we are very excited to, to, to see that data and to share it. What about the, the, in general, focus on other, you know, outbreaks that we're seeing right now? We know that monkeypox is an issue, polio as well. Uh, with mRNA being so quick to formula, on one hand, really high efficacy, as we saw with COVID. But on the other hand, a concern has been waning immunity pretty quickly. So have you thought about that and, and how you might either change or, or adapt as needed to make sure that that's not a, an issue in the future? So investing in technology to make it better, as I described earlier, but also we should not forget that those viruses evolve very quickly in COVID. And look at flu. We need a flu shot every year, and that's a very old technology that's recombinant. That's a 50-year-old technology. That is not linked to the recombinant technology, it's linked to the virus. So I think it's the same thing with COVID. I do not believe it is linked to the mRNA. I really think it is linked to the virus evolving, and basically you have a new bug getting in your body as you get a new infection. Um, so we are working indeed on a lot of those diseases. On monkeypox, we are working on it. Uh, we don't have the urgency that we had if you want when COVID happened, because as you know, there's already a vaccine on the market, uh, and this is not an airborne virus. So you know, with with COVID, like with flu, uh, you always have that risk of getting a pandemic. I, I'm not aware of any scientists we believe. We can get kind of a pandemic like COVID with monkeypox. Uh, and so we are working on it in preclinical settings to make sure we have a very strong and broad vaccine before we take it into the clinic. Talk to me also about the ex-US stuff, looking at you know the commitment that you made for LMICs and also Kenya. Uh, there's been a lot of concern about the timeline of that and it being too far out to really have any impact. Uh, what can you say to that? And are you looking at ways to get more product in quicker and distribute quicker, especially in the case of if we see another really bad surge? Put apart the building of a plant, which we are very committed to, and I'll comment in a minute, and the vaccine right now. There's a lot of vaccine supply. And as you know, uh, COVAX actually has decreased the orders. This is what we had prepared for them and what we had reserved in terms of raw material and filling capacity at our suppliers for COVAX that they do not want anymore. Same with the African Union. The African Union had 60 million doses reserved for them that they declined all of them. Um, so I don't think it's a, it's a demand issue. Uh, you need to build a plant ensuring there is high quality. Those are pharmaceutical products that are sterile, that you inject in people. They need to make sure they are sterile or you're going to get people really sick, potentially kill them. And so building a plant takes a couple of years. There's no way you can cut that time frame. You need to build the building and get the machines. And then you need to test the machine extensively before you're allowed by, not did by the regulator to allow you to ship the first product. So these timelines, nobody wants us to shrink it because it is fundamental to ensure the quality of a product. And so I think we need to really look at that plant in Kenya as a long-term investment Moderna is making. Not only for COVID, we will of course make COVID boosters updated there. But we make flu product, we make product for you know emerging countries, like as you know, we're working on Zika, which is in phase two. We have a lot of vaccine for disease that get people in the tropical countries sick that want to use that plant for. It is not for COVID only. Absolutely. Definitely some momentum there on the ground. I'm sure you're seeing it as well uh, when it comes to investment there. And then final question for you. Uh, you know, 
external factors always play a role, of course, on any business. Right now, we're seeing inflation uh, really press on the market. Do you find that to be impactful in any way on the costs of materials and et cetera? Yes, we're seeing inflation everywhere, like, you know, every other CEO you ask to, I'm sure, in terms of raw materials, of course, energy, of course, salaries, labor, you know, uh, costs are increasing. But we're very confident about the future. I think it's an incredible time for Moderna. You know, we have this platform that can generate a lot of medicine, $18 billion of cash, a strong team of 3,000 people, people, sorry. And so we're investing very aggressively, which is why, you know, our investments are growing. But also today, you know, because of our confidence in the future, we're not a new buyback plan. A new $3 billion buyback plan, there's a billion remaining from the current plan, so it's $4 billion of, of dry powder to go and buy back our stock. Uh, and so we want to create value for the long term, in addition to creating products by, by, by retiring shares from the market. Sounds good. Well, Stefan, thank you so much again for joining us today. Moderna CEO Stefan Bansal, pleasure speaking with you as always and looking forward to the next time. Thank you.